Hello and welcome to another episode of At Your Convenience. I'm your host, Jackson Lewis. This week, we're joined by Mark Truman, Chief Revenue Officer of Edge Petrol, and we're talking about oil and gas prices and volatility in the U.S. market. Give it a listen. We were hoping for a a little more sense of normality uh, at at the end of this past year, and then uh, the Omicron variant hit, uh, not just here in the U.S., but all over the world. How has that affected uh, oil prices, you know, uh, especially affecting here in the States uh, over the past few months, uh, from your view? Well, there's there's two ways to look at oil price. I mean, you've got the the price of crude or whether it's Brent or WTI, right? Um, And those prices obviously have so many different factors affecting them. Uh, We saw a big jump in price, I think, last week with an attack um, over in uh, the Middle East. So that can be driven by all social and, and political, socio-economic and political economic uh, factors. But then you've also got the gasoline price. And obviously in between those two things, you've got a whole supply chain, which is also um, under a bit of stress at the moment, right? Um, I think there's a big shortage. I think the, the, the Truckers Association said there's going to be a shortage of 100,000 uh, truck drivers. That's not just in, in gasoline uh, by 2023. So these things are all putting pressure on the price that comes out at the pump. It's not just the oil price. And of course, tax has a big factor on that. Uh, I saw today something about Biden looking to cap the price of oil. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to do that. But but certainly, you know, the, these are having a, a material impact in the price that consumers are seeing on the street. There's, you know, and, and it's tough for retailers because those retailers are seeing, uh, you know, their margins be, being squashed, right? Staffing costs are going up if you can find the staff, that is. Gallons are coming down because of the the COVID variant uh, that we've got, um, and I, I think people are a little bit more okay with it now. But uh, it's certainly having an impact, and all, all of these things are tying into a little bit less volume than usual, a little more expensive fuel, the aggressive competitors who who could buy loads of fuel and sell at five, six, seven, eight cents margin. They're still out there, so yeah, retailers are having a tough time with with the cost prices right now. Absolutely. Well, and it seems like. With these big global trends, we're kind of getting hit left and right, uh, you know, just as it, it feels like we're hopefully coming out of Omicron soon. Uh, we have these tensions between Ukraine and Russia. And uh, there's, you know, with with uh, uh, such a big oil producing area, I uh, feel like there's a risk for more price volatility because of that also. Yeah. So <laughs> Ukraine and Russia, uh, I think, again, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to I'm not I don't, I'm not going to tell anyone what side of the political fence I sit on. But it was interesting to see Biden give Russia a free pass to a small attack, at least verbally, um, was, was quite an interesting piece of news to read. But the certainly when it comes to, you know, the, the global environment, you've also got a potential property crisis uh, or commercial property crisis happening. With, with China and that they're seeing some, some real issues that they're, they're struggling to reach their and maintain their growth targets. And that, that's going to have an impact on the rest of the world. You know, obviously, as, as production slows, if it does, that's that's going to have a big impact on oil prices. Right. We know that oil is made used to make everything, you know, from from, uh, you know, whether it's steel or, or produce, you know, whether it's producing or powering. These things have a massive impact on, on oil price. So it, it could be that, you know, a, a poor performance in the economy and some kind of political factors, like you mentioned, Ukraine and Russia could see something change significantly this year. But I was looking at the forecasts, you know, they were saying you know, it's, it's the average for the year. You know, we're going we're gonna to sit around 70, 75. Like that was when most of the forecasts were coming out on, on the oil price, right? Um, and what, we were at 80 something last week, I think. Um, it's, it's really... Uh, 
it's an unpredictable game, <laughs> but you know it should 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 square out a little bit, and we should see some um, some head towards some sort of reality at some point this year. Yeah, here's hoping. I, I was uh, talking with uh, Patrick Dehan with Gas Buddy recently, and and he was saying that you know fingers crossed. Normally, uh, spring and summer is a good time of year for fuel retailers, and that hopefully we'll see. You know, a little better margins for retailers by then. Uh, you know, I'm kind of asking you to stare into your crystal ball here, but uh, what do you think the, the chances are of, of uh, things being a little more smooth as the year progresses? Well, I mean, the, <laughs> the first thing is they need to be, right? If volumes aren't going to come back completely, and, you know, long-term volumes are, are, are going to be reducing anyway. Uh, I mean, the EIA says it's going to reduce every year to 2050. So we've got to hope that there's some kind of margin in it there, especially with costs going up. Right. Um, it's it's going to be really important to get that. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, again, if, if I could predict the gasoline price or the oil price, I probably wouldn't be doing what I do. I'd probably be just off doing that. But I, I feel like, yeah, it, it's I feel like you're going to see these costs come down slightly at some point this year. Right. It's it's logical. And hopefully that will, the, the question is as well is like, you know, it, it's will the, the retailers who have suffered a little bit more margin recently, you know, is, is that going to are they going to come down and give that but can they afford to come down and give that margin back to the to the consumer like that's that's the question right with their costs going up and 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 so on so whether that'll be be seen back at the street and also you've got to remember as well that, that there is supplier to these uh retailers or to these dealers right is is the jobbers and and the the, the fuel companies they've got to pay a margin they've got to you know in in oregon you get a thirty thousand dollar sign-on fee if it's for a truck driver right in the gasoline industry so you know, that's the extra thirty thousand per driver that's going onto the cost base, right, and onto the margin. I mean, they're they're not they're not shipping that cost, right? That's that's being passed on in in the price. It's been baked in. So, you know, and and then if you think about, you know, the the jobbers that have got to go and pick up that fuel and pay for these extra drivers that that aren't big businesses like the you know the big fuel suppliers, right? And some of them are family owned generational businesses. It's um, you know, it's it's going to be tough. So. Yeah, hopefully it'll it'll come back down, but whether that'll make its way down to the street, it's yet to be seen. Any advice for fuel retailers on uh, how to handle uh, these potential changes? Yeah, loads, <laughs> loads of advice. Yeah, yeah, I, I think a lot a lot of them have got in ahead of this stuff, right? I mean, if you look at some of the really cool stuff that that's going on, you know, off the nozzle, let's call it right, or in the box stuff, um, you know, really really great you know innovative kind of stores and and you know hot food solutions and you know reinvestment and so i had one retailer i won't i won't say because it's still in planning and they showed me this incredible kind of vertical fountain that they're putting into this amazing huge store they're building and it's like you know it's it's uh and if you if you ever listen to kind of frank beard and any of the stuff he does he talks a lot about facilities and you know how important that he's been to him and him and Al have been to a lot of gas stations a lot more than i've been to and you know that things like you know facilities and making sure that they're nice and giving a reason for people to come back to your stores like this is stuff that people have already been doing and i guess i guess the best advice if you're not doing that and you're not making those investments right and you don't have another plan like you know you're going to you're going to struggle in this market, right? The market's consolidating. It's getting a little bit more aggressive again. We saw a little lull over COVID kind of of, of the big operators really drilling down on price and everyone did okay. And mar- kind of letting everyone have a little bit of margin while volumes are down. That's probably not going to last. So 
yeah, the, I think the advice would be to, to get a handle on all of that stuff and then, you know, try and optimize every part of your site, right? Every part of your station, you know, and that, yeah, of course that includes fuel price. And of course, you know, I'm going to say that because I work for Edge Petrol, but it, it's, it's fuel price is one piece of that puzzle. And if you're really, if you're leaving money on the table anywhere across your store or across your forecourt or, you know, with the way you do your pricing or whatever it is, like you're going to need to bring that money back into your pocket because, you know, the, the market continues to change and move. So, yeah, I guess the overarching message is do something. <laughs> yeah, that'd probably be my, right. uh, my don't, don't stand still. Yeah, it's it's interesting that, uh, you know, obviously we've been hearing a lot of uh, pledges and, and promises and a lot of really forward looking stuff about EVs these days. Uh, uh, but I, I it's kind of difficult to get a handle on how much, uh, if, if any effect that has on on present day on on four courts right now. But this this kind of reflects advice I'm hearing a lot about uh, how to prepare for EVs. Uh, you know, get down to the basics, make sure that you you have uh, good looking stores that people want to come into, and EVs do end up taking off in the next few years. Uh, then you'll be better prepared for that. Uh, any uh, uh, any any sign about how EVs are affecting the market? Well, EV is an interesting one because it it doesn't just it's not just a change to the type of fuel, but it's a change to the way that people use a gas station or or, or you know the forecourt that surrounds it, right? Um, because instead of having a, I'm going to fill up, and and especially with the EMV mandate, which which we had uh, come into play last year, um, and everyone offers pay at pump now, or at least they should be. But, you know, you you can kind of have a a two or three minute gas station experience. I don't think you have that luxury with with EV and, and gas stations will absolutely right. I absolutely believe that gas stations will be a location, but definitely over here, but but also in the you know in the UK, but also in the states because you know that there's a hell of a lot of people that don't have driveways, don't have access to EV charging points, right? And I think there's going to be something like 300 million EV charging points needed to help us reach globally, to help us reach net zero, right? Uh, whether we, <laughs> that's actually the ambition is questionable. But, you know, if we do want to get there, that's what's required, right? And um, obviously, a large portion of those are going to have to be in the States. And the, the best thing about gas stations is they're in these locations that are suitable for commuters, right? They're, they're, they're positioned in a really, really good way. They, they've got a lot more space than, you know, um, I mean, I know some of them can be a little bit cramped, but if you start taking that canopy, and the pumps away and, and you know you, you start creating more space then you know there's there's definitely room for for them to be the you know to main to maintain their position as the the commuter's choice of um of refueling whether that's electricity or gas right so it's definitely they definitely have a part to play and i think that's what these you know when we talk about stores that are doing all the right things that's that's what they're really positioning themselves for that cha- you know that energy transition is, is being covered there what what um what does it mean today? Uh, well, I mean, it, it's certainly having a little hit on volume, right? I mean, it's it's the uh, every year electric cars. There are more electric cars sold than the last year, and that's nothing that's going to be surprising to retailers. Of course, you know, there's a big difference that if you're in a metropolitan area or you're you know you're in you're in the Bay Area versus you know if you're in Birmingham, Alabama, right? It's it's going right. to be it's going to be different in every every city and every state, but. The, the overarching you know, message is it is going to start hitting volumes a bit more. And then the question is, is do you really need to do anything about that? I mean, if you can find a way to make more per gallons, that kind of covers you at least for the next few years. But also, if, if you're thinking about that investment into EV, I think that's still a big question for retailers. They don't really believe that it's going to have a, a return on investment in, in the lifetime of their stations. Uh, and I, I think that's a fair a fair way of looking at it like yeah you, you know well, I, I know someone who's who's put it in 
with the money they're taking back at the moment, it's a 250-year payback. Now, he's of the belief that that's, that payback's going to lower every year as more and more people come to the station. And he puts more stuff on this. He's got a subway on there now, but he wants to put some other stuff. And, yeah, it, it's it's a real dilemma for retailers, right? Um, you know, do you clear up a few parking spots and, and make that investment um, now, or do you, do you hold off and maybe miss the boat? And I, I think it's very much depends on your local area, um, it might be that your, you know, your your local government could provide you with some information about EV traffic and number of EV. You know, you need to look local. I think that's that's the best way to to kind of make that decision. Oh I, no, I, I think you've definitely got a good point there. It's the way that EV charging is rolled out is very much going to depend on where you are and and what commuter traffic is like. Uh, if you know how many people are in the area. Uh, absolutely. I, I was talking with a, another analyst a few months back, and he pointed out that there are already plenty of places to get electric vehicle charging for free right now. Uh, you know, gas stations are not going to have a, monopul- a monopoly on EV charging the way they have gasoline. So that's that's going to complicate things. Uh, and and they're you know, which is one big reason why uh, uh, <laughs> EVs are are uh, generating a lot of talk in this industry. Yeah, and that's that's obviously true, right? But it, it's question of whether they're going to step up and and take a take a portion of that that volume, right? A portion of that that EV volume, because at, at the moment it's it's almost exclusively going. And, and also, it's, it's funny you talk about these charging points, right? That they're free. How long are they going to be free for? I mean, I know I know Tesla offer them for free. If you're lucky enough to be able to afford a Tesla, then. Yeah, that's that's good. Ninety-eight percent of people, or more potentially, you know, aren't really in that position at this point in time. So I I don't know how how long that's going to last, or how sustainable kind of that that free is. And then I guess what you see is, does the gas station compete? You know, have a new competitor, right? The car park that's got the EV spaces, or we actually had uh, in London they've opened. I think Shell have opened an all EV garage. And it looks. I think it's still just like in its, its opening stages, but it's it's pretty it's pretty nice and it's um it's busy, right? It's in a it's in a, the right location and it's got a nice shop on it. Nothing special, but it's um yeah, it's started. Those are starting to pop up, and so you know, Shell <laughs> Shell's effect. You know, in a way, is is that Shell EV station competing with the Shell down the road that offers gas, right? And these are these are questions that'll be answered over the next few years, like how that'll play out. But I I don't believe that the gas station owner who knows how to operate in a commuter industry selling a commodity is not going to be well positioned to continue to service that commuter um, and you know and sell a commodity effectively i think they're, they're the best best position industry out there to do that i uh, great point and at the end of the day there are still going to be commuters and they're still going to need to stop by a store somewhere and pick up snacks or some sort of fuel or something uh, when they're on the road, you know that that need is is not going to go away. Americans are not going to want to stop driving. They're they're not going to be able to stop driving. Yeah, Jack Jackson, that's a great point, right? Because you're, um, you're at the end of the consumers these days, right? I mean, if you look at um, the Nax Consumer Survey, I quote this everywhere, right? You'll hear this my voice and this quote everywhere. The Nax Consumer Survey 2015 said 72% of drivers looked at price as the dominating factor for where they fill up. It's now 48%. It was 40, 52, yeah, sorry, 52%, which leaves a 48% of people that are, are less price sensitive, right? And that's not the main thing they're going. The reason is convenience. You know, I, I um, whereas I used to pick up a few bits when I went to fill up my gas, well, my, my gas tank once a week, right? Now I'm filling up my gas tank when I go and get a few bits. 
It's a total, it's a just total change in dynamic, right? I'm I'm looking for convenience. Hey, like if I order something on Amazon, I expect it to be here today, right? So if I need to go and get some food, I'm I need it now, right? I don't want to be going around a huge supermarket and spending an hour getting what I need for dinner, right? I want to get it straight away, and the station near me it offers that. So, you know, I th- I think it's that change as well in in the way that people buy makes it a very different proposition to what it was before. Well, uh, Mark, I really appreciate the time that you've given me today. Before I let you go, is there uh, anything else, uh, any other uh, pieces of advice you have for retailers to you know, maximize profits at the forecourt or make business a little easier this year? Uh, yeah, cool us. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm not totally kidding. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think, I think it's again, we, we always talk. So we talk about there are three types of retailers out there at the moment. And I think what I'd, what I'd suggest every retailer does is think about which bracket they really fall into. Exeters, which are looking to leave the market uh, or have already left. So, um, yeah, they're, they're doing OK. Existers that don't really want to change anything, keep doing the same thing, hope it works out, follow the local competitor and hope people come in and buy Cokes and Smokes, as we call it, or, you know, Mars bars, as we have over here. Um, Musketeers and Butterfingers, I'd say, is probably more suitable to the U.S. market. But the, the um, and then you've got Excellers. Right. These accelerators have realized already that the market's changing and if they don't move, they're going to be left behind. And that's where we hear all this stuff from. Right. That's where we get, you know, all this insight from is the accelerators. You know, yeah, of course, they want to do the you know, price optimization and all of that stuff. But they're the ones that are coming up with the, the great ideas that are investing in their stores and, and finding ways to kind of fight back against the things we've spoken about, plus market consolidation and, you know, volatility on the cost price, which we've covered and, and so on. So. Yeah, I think I think put yourself into one of those brackets and have a think about, you know, am I really being an exceller? Because if I'm not, I, I maybe I should just be an exeter. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's a good time to sell. Um, but it, you know, we saw a lot of single sites fall out of the market last year. I think that's yeah. that's something to think about as well, right? It's getting harder. So, yeah, that would be my advice. Think about: Do you need to change something? And if you do, let's you know, let's do it. Let's get on with it. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, really thanks for the advice and appreciate the time. Thanks again, Mark. Thanks very much. 